I think like if someone in the audience is like, well, I don't know, how do I decide on my color? It's never about you. It's never yeah. about what you want to exude. And that in the industry is what we've been taught. And unfortunately, I believe that it's wrong. It has to be, what's the first thing you want your ideal client to feel when they see you in this color? Welcome to Amplify. We are here to help you own your truth, use your voice, and stand out as the most unapologetically aligned, abundant, and authentic version of you so that you can make a big impact in the world doing what sets your soul on fire. Because you and I, we are meant to stand the F out. I'm your host, Lauren Salon, and I'm a public relations and marketing expert, entrepreneur, speaker, former on-air entertainment host and past professional fitness competitor and health coach. And several times per week, I'll be bringing you epic guest conversations and solo episodes along with the tools, tricks, and tips that you need in order to step into your power, own your purpose, and stand out in the world as the most vibrant version of you. Because I believe that the more you you are in the world, the more successful and fulfilled you will be. So what do you say? Are you ready? Let's get amplified because blending in is bullshit. Today, I get to sit down with my dear friend, Michelle Lewis, a visibility and publicity expert who helps entrepreneurs skyrocket their visibility, launch their unique show strategy, and start landing press for their brand with Hollywood techniques found in the Visibility Lounge. The queen of visibility, founder and CEO Michelle Lewis, is a leading authority on color psychology, brand positioning, and publicity strategy. She's helped thousands of entrepreneurs land their dream features and impact their ever-expanding audience with her techniques. Michelle's journey began in 2016 when she left Hollywood and started with her first ebook, which became an e-course, which became a steadily growing brand. She currently lives in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho with her husband, Pug, and three ducklings, and she couldn't be parted with her garden or fresh brewed iced tea. In today's episode, we talk all about all the things related to visibility, showing up online, and even talk about cancel culture and victim mindset. This is such a juicy episode. I hope you enjoy it. All right, everybody, for today's episode, we have one of my dear friends, Michelle, who happens to be in town. I know, I'm so excited we can do it. This has been like, we've had a lot of girl talk catch up time. So now we're going to, you know, talk about all the things together, but thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited. I mean, you were on my show season one, I think like episode four or six, it was like right away. And so to be here supporting your show and just watching you shine in this is so exciting. Thank you so much. (laughs) Yeah, this is so much fun. So fun, fun fact, everybody, Michelle and I actually met through Instagram when I had recently moved to Los Angeles, like at this point, like six years ago, she like slid into the DMs and was like, Hey, we, it looks like we do similar things. And like, you look like somebody I want to get to know, let's grab lunch. And here we are like freaking six. You know what? (laughs) Hey, I've made some of my closest friends through, through Instagram before, like, you know, even knowing them in real life. So I am here for it and Mm -hmm. love that that is 
how we got to know each other and have been friends since. Um, Long time. I know. Through a lot of different coffee dates. Yes. Co-working. Strolls. Halloween in LA. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) I love it. So as you know, as everybody knows, we start each episode with some rapid fire. So we're going to get into it. Okay. What is something that you are grateful for right now? I'm grateful for my new home in Idaho. Mm. I love it. Like being down here in LA, it kind of helps reaffirm that decision going, this is right for me. I miss it. I miss my ducks. I miss the lake. So I'm excited to get back home soon. Yes. And you guys have so much space and like, just, uh, yeah, come visit at some point. (laughs) What is a guilty pleasure of yours, whether or not you actually feel guilt, like own your decisions and your choices, Mm -hmm. right? Um, my guilty pleasure would, it's weird. It's really it's okay. weird. Like That's it's strange. Okay. I, since I was like five years old, I remember going into my dad's like medicine cabinet and he had wheatgrass tablets, like literally that you <laughs> like swallow as a supplement. And for some reason I loved them and I love to chew them. And like, I still do it today. It's weird and it's gross, but I'm telling you, I have the cleanest colon, like this <laughs> of the Mississippi, like seriously. <laughs> I have the cleanest colon. I do. That's a very interesting. You're not going to hear that on not any ever. other episode. No, no, <laughs> not at all. I love it. What is a, aside from that, uh-huh. what's a random fact that people probably don't know about you? Um, I was a competitive horseback rider. I don't think I even knew that. Mm-mm. So I don't talk about it a lot, but I did it for many, many years. I thought about showing, but I was too tall um, for the competitions that I wanted to do. Uh, but I love that. And right now I actually live 45 minutes from a Clydesdale ranch. So I get to go up there all the time and help them with their marketing and photography and videography and just like snuggle up on the Clydesdales and ride them around. So it's amazing. Oh my gosh. I love this. I did some horseback riding growing up and I haven't ridden a horse in years. I miss it. Oh my gosh. I'll go with you. Yes, please. Yes. (laughs) All right. If you weren't doing what you do now and you had to like pick something completely different, like some other kind of job or something, what would you do? I think I would open up a coffee tea shop and I would open up like a flower shop. Hmm. It's weird. I love like arranging flowers. Like Nathan doesn't bring me flowers. He's like, go buy your own flowers. Cause I like to do it all fancy and like, I just love it. And I think coffee shops, like that's where I started my business. So I'm really passionate about that. And hopefully we'll be opening one in the next couple of years up in Coeur d'Alene, which I would love to do. Oh, very cool. I Mm -hmm. love that. Do you have any weird talents or special skills? I play violin. Is that like weird? I feel like I, I'm like, did I just meet you? I (laughs) didn't know that either. Uh, random weird stuff. Like I have music stuff on the side. I have my interior design degree. Like I've studied herbology. Like mm-hmm. I'm a weird person. Like I told you, like I'm becoming a beekeeper. Like, yes, it's just strange. I'm a duck like, mom I know now. The music, like, what obviously, happened? like I know the music thing. I didn't know violin was <laughs> in that, in your repertoire. Yeah, I was actually offered a scholarship, but I didn't love it enough to have that be the only thing I did. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Fun mm-hmm. facts. What did you want to be when you were little? Oh my goodness. I wanted to be Peter Pan. 
uh, <laughs> used to look out the window and figure out like, how can I fly? I used to strap palm branches to my arms and jump off rocks. Stop it. Yeah. Like I was convinced I could fly away. Like, and I wasn't trying to escape anything. I had a great childhood, but, but it yeah, was like, everyone wants to fly this is where I'm little. going. I convinced my best friend, like he's real. He's coming to get us. Like we're going out the window. We're going to go live in Neverland. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) When was the last time that you cried? Last night. Yeah. I had a bad migraine and, um, you know, as you know, I deal with headaches and that's one of the reasons why I started my business so I could have flexibility for my health. Um, and it was a bad night. So shed a few tears, but took my herbs, did my oils, like all that and got through it. All right. When's the last time that you laughed so hard you almost peed your pants? Oh yeah. Two nights ago. Okay. Uh, my dad is just hysterical. So right now we're all living in a 34 foot motorhome, a uh, couple miles away from here. So four people, one motorhome, you can only imagine on top of I each other. I didn't realize your whole family yeah. was here together yeah. in the motorhome. Like the clamp it's like, we're all together in this RV wow. right now. Bless you. I know. <laughs> Fortunately, like I like my family. We get along really well. Yeah. My dad's just hysterical. So he knew that I was having a headache. And so he just pulled out all the stops, getting me laughing. You know, he used to be a stand-up comedian. So he's funny. Yeah. So, uh, you know, self-deprecation makes me laugh. So he was talking to me about a very funny story from his youth. And so that made me cry to the point where oh I gosh. probably peed my pants a little. Good. Good dad. Good job, dad. Yeah. (laughs) What is your favorite meal? Oh, Lauren. (laughs) Or a few of them. Oh my goodness. I love like, give me a charcuterie board and some pasta and some wine Mm. and let's sit and talk for like two to four hours and laugh and have a great time. Like that's my happy place. Lovely. That Mm -hmm. just made me feel so good. Just listening to you say it. I was like, yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, how many times were we at the wine bar? Like that's where we would meet up. Like, I love that. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Favorite travel destination. Ooh. Or like your next travel destination. Mm. Either My favorite travel destination was Salzburg, Austria. Mm. It was so beautiful. And just like going back in time that if I could like pick one place, that's where I would go. Where I really want to go is I have been to Oahu, but I haven't been to the other islands. So I want to go and like island hop. I've been watching those like buy a home in Hawaii shows. And so it's really got me <laughs> loving. Like, okay. Yeah. I'm like, let's go. I need to go on a scouting <laughs> trip. Perfect. Like maybe you want to do a show in Hawaii. That would be great. Thank yes. you. <laughs> So I would love for you to tell everybody your story, like the, you know, the abbreviated version, sure. of course, but like how you got to where you are now, because you've had, you've done so obviously just in what we heard from the rapid fire, like have done so many things. And I know you've like entertainment industry, entrepreneurship, like, like medicine, like everything. So yeah. Let's hear it. Well, I think you and I are similar. We've done a lot of different things to get to where we are. And what we do now is similar, which is funny. For me, I grew up like in film and television. My dad was directing and producing and assistant directing movies. And so that was what I grew up with. So that's what I thought I was supposed to do. And when, you know, a couple of things didn't work out, I had a script stolen from me, a couple of those Mm -hmm. things. I just went, you know what? I don't think this is my path anymore. So I started looking into what else can I do? I wrote a book. I did a couple of other things. And then a friend at a coffee shop one day was like, why don't you teach people how to get on video? I'm like, cause it's not hard and everyone yeah. does it. And she's <laughs> like, no, like people have a hard time. So that's when I started looking into the fact that you could create courses and memberships and all that. And then 
one thing led to another. And when I was really niching down to what was in my zone of genius, it turned out to be color psychology. And so that's what got me the TEDx talk. And that's what helped me launch my membership. And that's how I got to where I am now, which is teaching people visibility and publicity. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So let's talk a little bit about like the entertainment industry stuff. Cause you did mm-hmm. acting, you did singing and like all of that. And then yeah, had the script stolen from you, which mm-hmm. unfortunately like that shit happens all, all the, the time. time, all the time. And it like my ex had that happen to him mm-hmm. with a major script that turned into a huge, insanely successful movie. And, and it, it wasn't necessarily stolen from him, but it was like his idea that yeah. made the movie the movie, like being like, Hey, why don't you guys do this animated instead of with real people mm-hmm. took that change. Did he get credit? No way. No. Yep. So. And it's like, how hard is that? You could just, even if you just send like a check for like a thousand bucks or something, just as a thank you, but the industry is just not that way. And now it's changed so much in the last year. Yeah. It's crazy. And where they're putting people in these positions of powers that don't have the experience. And so it's really causing the industry to suffer in my opinion. Yeah. And so how did that, can I, cause I can imagine it's so hard to get a script sold in the first place that Mm -hmm. I can imagine you've like worked on this show and you're getting traction on it or getting feedback and then to see it get picked up somewhere else. Like, can you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, horrible. I was working as a stand-in on the Disney show. I didn't do it. We just had like the big premiere and all that stuff. We were shopping it around to different networks and, um, I got a text from one of the other actors and he was like, you need to look at Variety right now. I'm like, okay. So I like run out of the stage and, and looking and it's like, uh, I can't even remember the studio, whatever picks up, you know, this show. And I just felt so sick. And I called my dad because he was helping me with the pitching and stuff and was like, did our show get picked up? Because we just heard this and Mm. he was like, no. So it was just so painful, especially because it wasn't like taking a piece. It was like the name. They messed up the concept, of course, had to put drugs in it and all that stuff. But it was really hard. It felt like what I had worked for and tried to protect, which is why I'm such a proponent of like trademarking yes, and all that stuff. Yes that it just wasn't in my hands. And I'd watched it happen to my dad with show after show, movie after movie, that it was like, I can't do this anymore. Like this is going to destroy me. And I don't want to be one of those people that gets destroyed by this industry. Yeah. And then becomes like a, like backstabber yourself in some yeah. way. Cause that's the, it's not the only way to make it, but like, you know, it's pretty cutthroat yeah, in Hollywood for sure. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of the people just knowing like, you know, from my ex and everything and like knowing people in the industry, like a lot of the people at the top have done such slimy things mm-hmm. to get there, which yeah. is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So how then did you really pivot or like, how did you land on starting your own business and, and jumping into that and knowing that that was what you were supposed to do? I don't, I don't know if I was one of those people that was like, this is my calling. This is what I'm supposed to do, but I'm definitely an expert at failure. And I would pivot from one thing to another, to another. So it taught me like failing, isn't really losing. It's just an instrument to pivot. Mm. And I think like my husband and I sometimes argue about this because as he, you know, looks into different career options and, you know, trying to get up to Idaho and all that stuff, he, it's like a stopgap for him. Like, what do you mean starting another career? Like, what do you mean doing this and this? And it's like, 
this is just what you do because it's how I've been trained in a way. So for me, it was just kind of instinctual. Let's try this. Let's try this. And if something like a launch didn't go my way, I'd pivot and then that would succeed. And you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it was just really pivoting, 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 and not taking any of the rejection or the failures personally. So that when it got to the point where I figured out exactly what I wanted to do, I can be really scrupulous with like, okay, this ads expert isn't working or this isn't working. Move, 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 move. And I think that that's been something that I try to at least instill in my students and, you know, even my family just keep moving. Like my dad, he's working on a show now, but for the last year, he's been working on an app that like specializes in spiritual warfare. So it's like, just keep moving around and just see what happens. Like you have to be able to share your gifts and not be too attached to the results. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's one of the things too about entrepreneurship is like we pivot all the freaking time. Yeah. All the time. And like some of the best skills to develop as an entrepreneur are like being adaptable and resilient. Mm -hmm. And like, if you're like, Oh, well, it didn't work that way. Okay. How do I approach this in from a different angle? Exactly. You know, and not just giving up when it doesn't work or nobody Mm -hmm. buys or whatever. Cause then you won't have a freaking business. Well, and welcome to life. Yeah. Like that's what happens. You know, we constantly have to adapt our strategy and not take it personally, whether it's a success or a failure Mm -hmm. in a way we kind of have to look at it the same way. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about color psychology because it's yes. very cool. And obviously, like as expected, you're wearing your like brand color, very on theme, of course. as I would, you know, <laughs> expect. So let's talk about that because that's something that being in communications and like studying and in formerly in advertising and stuff, like I know like the certain colors that evoke certain things and everything like that. And when it comes to like my own branding, like I'm like, what do I, what like exudes? Yes. What feelings do I want the audience or the community to have? And what represents like me and the thing or the product and all that. But yeah, I'd love to hear more about the science behind it. Cause that is such a area of expertise for you. Well, this came out of another failure when, when I first launched my brand and I was a life coach back then, as I think all of us were, I, chose my favorite color. I chose turquoise. I did the photo shoot. I did the website and all that. And it was just crickets. And I thought like, okay, I can either give all this up and shut it down now, or I can look back into my history and figure out why did this maybe not work? Mm-hmm. So I sat down and I went, okay, so in film, this is what this means. Blah, da, 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 da. I was also studying um, indigenous medicine. So, okay, this is what these light spectrum colors do in the body. Mm-hmm. So I developed kind of like a formula and I was like, okay, so using this, because I want to invoke this emotional response and hit them in this part of their body, I'm going to try rebranding with this color, which is <sighs> this one right here. And uh, so I relaunched and all of a sudden like followers and sales and like all this stuff. I'm like, this is crazy. And then I went to an event. It was actually with Joanna Turner at, down in LA. I'm like, I like have my mouth open this whole time. I'm like, this is fascinating (laughs) for those who can watch the video. I'm like, jaw is down. I'm like, keep going. And I was like, so nervous to meet her, which is funny because like coming from Hollywood, you wouldn't think, but I get very nervous around like really established entrepreneurs. It's like my fangirl, I guess. (laughs) And so I went up and I'm like, hi, Joanna. It's really nice to meet you. She's like, oh, you're Michelle. I recognize you from the Facebook group with the blue dress. And I was like, what? So that's what kind of started it all for me. And so then I started like talking to friends of mine and like, Hey, what if you branded this way? And it started working where they were selling out their programs or their following was exploding. And so that's when I knew I was really 
onto something. That's what landed me the TEDx talk. That's what helped me really book a lot of different opportunities because it was so different than mm-hmm. what the industry had been teaching. So now I'm putting that into a book. I'm like love it. doing all kinds of stuff with it. So then what does this royal blue, because this is actually my power color, what I call my power color. So like if I'm going to a networking event or something like that, or, mm-hmm. or less, I mean, shit, the last year, like with everything being on zoom, it was less specific with that, sure. but being intentional with what I'm wearing. Like mm-hmm. I don't, I'm wearing a black shirt right now, but like, if I'm doing a speaking gig in front of an audience, I don't know, even if it's virtual, fuck no, no black, mm-hmm. no black's getting worn. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is my color. Like I have several dresses in like in the closet right behind me that are that color because I feel, I feel powerful and mm-hmm. magnetic and like vibrant in it. It mm-hmm. goes very well with my coloring and mm-hmm. everything. And it's a strong color. So yeah. I'd love to actually hear what's behind this color. Absolutely. This is the hard part. Cause when people ask me like, what color should I choose? I can't like tell them because I don't want to ruin that for them and their self-discovery. And I think your color is going to be changing soon. But anyway, the blue actually resonates in the, uh, heart, lungs and mammary glands. So it hits people right here when they look at it. Mm-hmm. And it is all about motivation, inspiration, and trust. So on screen, it's seen as a very intellectual color, which is why most of our social media icons are blue because it calms the heart mm-hmm. rate, brings down the blood pressure. Like it has people kind of subconsciously trust, mm-hmm. but then on the like emotional side, it really helps people who are struggling and feeling stuck and need that like inspiration and motivation. So yes, yeah. really an interesting color. I can see that. Okay. Wait a second. Now you're like, I think your colors are going to be changing. Tell me more. So. What I do you mean? So. <laughs> well, you know, I've known you for so long that I can see like when things change energetically, yeah. like, you know, I had that dream and I was like, Hey, is everything okay? Like I had this weird dream. So I think that you're going to be stepping into a lot more of your power this year. And I think you might change into more of like the magenta family. So when Which, you were talking about the couch, I was like, maybe you should get magenta. I love that. Cause w- even with like PR accelerator and stuff, the colors that I chose for that, I wanted it to be gender neutral mm-hmm. and have good variety. And I, I pulled my audience and all that. I didn't only go with what I wanted. Good. Right. I was like, okay, talk to me community. Like what feels yeah. good to you. And I'm really happy with the, those colors. And I feel like I'm ready. Like it needs to evolve just with that program. And I love that you said magenta and stuff because at like everybody listening to the show right now, the amplified branding is black, like electric teal and hot, hot pink, like Yay. very like late show kind mm-hmm. of like, you know, unicorn vibes. Yeah. Um, and that feels so good to me mm-hmm. and which I used to want like light and airy and all that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, we are going yeah. like bold and like sassy, vibrant, mm-hmm. like electric activated yeah. and with like animal print thrown in. So I'm like, does animal print count? What does that mean? Okay. So wait, so more questions on this. What Mm -hmm. does magenta? Magenta is interesting. And whenever I do a talk, it's not technically a primary light spectrum color. So like when I gave my TEDx talk, there was this like scientist guy that came up to me and he's like, why didn't you talk about magenta? Like he was so upset. <laughs> and I was like, uh, cause it's not visible both in day and night, which you should know. Right. And then he was like, Ooh, oh, okay. Burn, but I know that nerd, was my version of a burn, nerd right? burn. Really, really harsh. <laughs> so people do ask me like, well, what does pink mean? I'm like, well, I'm not going to talk about pink, but I'll talk about magenta because it is such a powerful color. Mm. 
it was named after the Battle of Magenta because that's what they thought. I mean, not to be more, but that's what they thought the blood looked like, you know. But there's a reason why, like T-Mobile and all of these brands Mm -hmm. have magenta Mm -hmm. as their primary color. And I actually had someone who used to work for uh, T-Mobile that messaged me and is like, "You are spot on. This is exactly what they say in their meetings." So magenta is all about leading a movement forward, attracting people who are more like movement minded and they don't necessarily identify with traditional roles. So Mm. it's very much like a movement kind of a color. So I wouldn't be surprised to see you moving into that and like gold. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's, that's very, oh, I keep getting chills from it. Like the, the kind of electric teal, like cyan, basically Mm -hmm. that magenta, like hot pink magenta mm-hmm. and some lavender. Like that's mm-hmm. like the vibe. And yeah, I love that. So now Very you know cool. what it means. <laughs> do those, so do these colors align with like the colors that we associate with like the chakras or are they those can. completely different? It's really hard to say. Like for me, I just go with where the sunlight goes into the body. Mm. Um, chakras can be a little bit different. And okay. I'm actually really starting to study this specifically because I'm going to write a book about it. I should know all the different ways that color affects the body. So it's really interesting. And each color is a different frequency. Like I had someone who did like songs, like uh, acoustic songs based on every frequency of each color. So it's really a fascinating way that it affects the body. But I think like if someone in the audience is like, well, I don't know, how do I decide on my color? It's never about you. It's never about what you want to exude. And that in the industry is what we've been taught. And unfortunately, I believe that it's wrong. It has to be, what's the first thing you want your ideal client to feel when they see you in this color. Mm -hmm. And that's why like in your case, magenta might be really powerful because it's people that want to, you know, lead a new movement, especially if they are looking to get PR visibility. So we have to start with that question. And if you can find the one emotion, then you can easily link that to the color your brand should be. Ah, that's so freaking cool. Yeah. Are you a growing entrepreneur looking for more visibility? Do you want to stand out as the authority and expert that you are? Do you want more leads, more dream clients coming to you asking about how they can work with you? Do you want to sell out your programs and have a stacked wait list? Are you finally ready to scale your business and create more results with less effort? Then you need the PR Accelerator a hybrid program where we will teach you or somebody on your team how to do your own public relations, how to secure more podcast interviews, more media features, more speaking gigs, more collaborations, and ultimately more authoritative visibility so that you can scale your influence, your impact, and your income with ease. To learn more, visit laurensalon.com slash PR dash accelerator. That's laurensalon.com slash PR dash accelerator. Okay. So now, cause, cause you talked about a little bit more on the, like, um, like looking more into the chakras and stuff like that mm-hmm. with this, like, let's talk about the alternative medicine type Ooh, stuff. Yeah. yeah because you know so much about that. And I remember even, I forget what it was, whether I was dealing with headaches or not getting effective sleep or something. And like, there've been many times where you're like, show me the bottom of your feet, yeah. show me your tongue. Okay. You need to eat raspberries. And I'm like, what? okay, <laughs> I'm going to go get some right now, you know? So let's, I'd love for you to share a bit more about that. Cause you know, your stuff with that. 
you know, it's because I had health problems and I had health problems that Western medicine could not solve. And I know a lot of people probably that are listening have had a similar experience and it, you know, for me, I had to look into different options. So I've studied a lot of different medicines, indigenous medicine. Um, like I told you, my mom's just getting her master herbalist degree. So she's been teaching me a lot. And I think what's really important is just figuring out how can you bring your body back into balance? Mm. And for me, I had a lot of, a lot of ridiculous things that were out of balance from either trauma or, you know, growing up sick or immune issues or whatever. And so instead of trying to mask the problem, like this has nothing against Western medicine, but they're not like, oh, hey, that's, let's like cleanse your gallbladder. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like, okay, I dealt with a lot of anger in my childhood. And so I had a lot of gallbladder problems. Mm. So let's flush that out while releasing the energy that trapped it there in the first place. Yeah. So that's kind of what I learned and like the tongue stuff and the foot stuff that was the indigenous medicine thing. So it's been really fun to like learn that and then take it to the next level with my healing, with my family's healing. And sometimes my students, like they're stuck and they don't know what to do. And I'm like, okay, let's like go down the list of like what you need to do to get out of this kind of feeling of stuck because you can have every task list in the world, but if your energy is out of balance, you're going to have a really hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Um, same page. Absolutely. And I love taking a holistic approach to, to everything, but to life, health, all of that, like, yes, yes to certain things in Western medicine. Mm-hmm. And also it's not essential in a lot of situations, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. could make things worse in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, I, I love that approach, but yeah, it's, it's about like stuck energy and where energy gets trapped. And so much of the time, like the things that we're experiencing physically start with an emotional blockage, right. Or an energetic blockage. Yes. hundred percent. Yep. I think in almost every scenario, unless you just have a sudden trauma, but usually it's not the trauma that gives you the injury. It's how you react to and personalize and store the Mm -hmm. trauma. And that's usually when dysfunction starts. Yeah. Could you tell us about like a specific thing, like either a specific trauma injury or something like that and how you worked through it with like energy and really like natural ways? Um, Yeah, I think I'm just going to be honest about my worst one because I didn't remember it until my mid twenties. So I totally blocked it out, but I had a friend when I was young, um, that must've had her own trauma. And so she molested me when we were both young and I didn't remember it until my twenties, but for so many years was dealing with terrible periods and endometriosis Mm. and like hormonal imbalances and severe, severe anemia. And it was like, what's the root? So we'd keep going through these different cleanses and stuff, but it was like, what's the freaking root? And then all of a sudden this memory comes out and I'm like, at first you're like, is this real? Like, am Mm. I remembering this right? But it's like the body remembers and Mm -hmm. it will tell you, and it will give you a very specific picture. So being able to identify that, release it, forgive. And like, in my opinion, never go back into the memory of a trauma inside of your body. Like try to go back third person. So you can look at what's happening and be rational and be like, okay, she had her trauma. You know, this happened for your best interest for your growth and to help other Mm -hmm. people. And so then it was like, okay, was able to release it, take the different herbs and Demetriosis was healed. Like periods got better and not anemic anymore. So that's amazing. It's pretty cool. And, and like, I, I I had a not similar experience, like in what happened, but in the like 
healing stuff where I, in 2019 was dealing with like sciatic nerve pain, mm. like very chronic for almost a year straight. And I did oh. all the physical things that was also at the time I was doing bikini competition. So I was training intensely oh. and nothing I would do. There was like two months where two or three months where I was doing three times a week, uh, soft tissue cupping acupuncture and chiropractic. And it would like help a little bit, but never eliminate it. Mm. And what eliminated it ultimately was I started going to therapy, like therapy, therapy, not Mm -hmm. physical therapy. Mm -hmm. And within six weeks, it went away. It was insane. I was like, well, I know as like a, you know, cause I, everyone knows like I have a, a fitness, um, in my past and have been a personal trainer and all of that. It's like, I know how the body works and everything. I know about energy and all this stuff. And I'm like, Oh yeah. I know that most of our physical ailments are start and you start from an emotional or energetic block. And here we go. I just proved that. And why <laughs> did it take me this long to explore that solution? Right. Um, Cause we're stubborn. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, I know it's my body, the body. Well, the, and the brain doesn't want us to release the past because it wants to store it so that it can protect us from right. ever having it happen again. Yeah. Stay the so same. Let's stay the, the brain same. is like, no, don't do it. I know you're, it's not safe. And it's yeah. like, that's actually the thing that's going to help you heal. Change is scary. Yeah. Okay. I love what you said about that incident and looking at it as why it happened for you, because that's something that I think can be very challenging when we when things happen to us and we feel like it's completely out of our control and the ability to reframe that and look at it that way helps you reclaim ownership of it and helps you get your power back and heal from it. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, I have done that with my own sexual assault, like, Mm -hmm. and which was the time that I felt like I was the most victimized and a victim and Mm -hmm did a lot of work around being able to look at that. Why did I attract that into my life? Mm -hmm. Whether I agree with the reasons or not, what, what possible lessons could I have learned from that? Why did I need quote unquote on some level for that to happen? Mm -hmm. And what have I learned from it? And how did that make me a better person? And it's seems so counterintuitive to go down that path because you're like, no, someone violated me and that was not okay. And that was Mm -hmm. fucked up and it should never have happened. Mm -hmm. I'm not responsible for this. And Mm -hmm. yes, you're not on some level. And I believe that we attract everything into our lives for some reason. Right. And so, so yeah, so that was really important work for, for me to do, to heal from that and to not have that have power over me. So I'd love to hear like Mm -hmm. how you approach that. And we're able to look at that through that lens. Mm -hmm. Well, I think what you said is amazing. I think it shows Mm -hmm. how much you have grown to be able to not only own your trauma, but look at it as equal responsibility is so hard. And so many people on this planet cannot do that yet. They are so in the victimization and so in the trauma and so in the frequency that that is what they attract. That is what they Mm -hmm. cycle in every aspect of their life, whether it's their body, it's their home life, it's their work life, it's on the street. And I get that. I mean, there was a period of time, especially in my twenties before all of this work started happening where I would get chased down. I I mean, I I was held at gunpoint one time. I remember like driving home and just like sitting in bed for days and just feeling like the world was against me and that I wasn't safe and there was nothing I could do. And wasn't this just a horrible place to be, right? Why, Mm -hmm. Why is this happening to me? And that's the victim mentality. And until I sat there going like, well, 
It's just like, you know, only being able to see a certain amount of your reality. Like, for example, watching a movie without 3D glasses and then putting them on in the difference, yes. right? So I was without the 3D glasses and being like, this is a shit show until I finally was able to do the work and go like, no, Michelle, like you have so much trauma. You have so much victimization that until you can do the work to raise your frequency, this is going to keep happening, mm-hmm. you know? And of course, every person is responsible for the pain that they cause. And I think that's true. But when I was in that state, I'm sure I was responsible for causing a lot of pain in my family and in my relationships. So I think all we can do is the best we can to work on our mindset. For me, it was a lot of meditation. It was a lot of revisiting trauma and releasing it. It was also like, why do you think I was anemic? Well, probably because I had a lot of people in my life that sucked my energy dry. So cleaning up my relationships and being Mm. really firm with my boundaries and really focusing on creating what I wanted. So like specific things I can mention, Joe Dispenza was an amazing resource for me. Um, I know I just badgered you with him (laughs) for a couple of years, but he's amazing. He's incredible. He's just so great. And then like Bill Bangstrom with the rapid imaging technique was really key for me. And, you know, just spending more time in nature, spending more time in peace and quiet and just having the white space to create what I wanted to create. Mm, I love that. And I want to talk a little bit because you you brought up the victim mindset, which I think we're seeing on a very like cultural national level and yeah. and it's being encouraged mm-hmm. and yeah, it's being encouraged and like becoming a very common thing and almost like cheered on to adopt this victim mindset. What do you think about all that? <laughs> Let's see, how deep do we want to go? I, I think that it is in a way, like there's so many people right now that are elevating their frequency and getting better and becoming better humans and helping the world and being leaders. At the same time, the polarization is creating a lot of people who can embellish their wounds and find their entire identity in their wounds and spend all their time in that low frequency, then projecting their wounds on other people, which I think is a large degree of why we're seeing so much cancel culture right now. Oh my gosh. So I think it's terrible. I could go on and on about it, but I think the only thing I can say is you have to fight for the opposite. You have to be the example. When people go after you, you cannot engage in it. And mm-hmm. you have to try to be higher than that. It's like I was reading a post from Angie Lee, I think it was two days ago. And she was talking about the whole thing that you know happened with you know, and she was saying like, why are we engaging in this? Let's just move on and be the example we want to be. And I felt totally convicted because I engaged in that Mm. and was like, this is wrong and this shouldn't be allowed. And it was like, but was I feeding into that frequency? Mm. Maybe I should have just let that go and continued the way I wanted Mm. to lead. And maybe if all of us would have done that, then it would have been a better result than piling on. Cause it's, yeah, I think cancel culture is so stupid and it's, it's just such one dimensional thinking. It's like someone said something bad. Okay. Yeah. It may not have been their best moment and it may have been really terrible, whatever they did or said, whoever it is. And are you going to cancel an entire human in their entire life and everything they've ever done and said over one sentence, mm-hmm. one action? Like mm-hmm. where is any form of empathy? Where is any form of like collective forgiveness or learning that can yes. come out of this? Accountability. It's, yeah. It's such like mob mentality yeah. and like low vibrational one-dimensional thinking. It like disgusts me. And when, when we're going to mob, 
when that person's down and out, we're just going to look for the next thing to mob. Mm -hmm. And that's, where we're going to start basing our judgments on how people look and how they speak. And if what they say is different than what we think, and then we're getting into very dangerous territory. Yeah, and it's, and there's become this, like, uh, this emergence even more of online bullying in the sake for the sake of like being virtuous or we're going to hold them accountable. And here I, now I'm going to pick apart every single per- thing that this person did wrong to show you why they were wrong so that they can learn from it and we can all be better. Yep. Like you're being an online bully yes. when you do that. That's mm-hmm. gross. Yep. Like you're not any better than them. Exactly. Like, yeah. So. It's nothing to be proud of. And I think we've entered a really dangerous time in our industry where people are either being completely canceled or it's just like this rabid, like feasting from person to person. So yeah. I, I hope that it's held to a higher accountability, but right now it's not just in the online space, it's worldwide. Mm-hmm. So like, how do we get to a point of saying, knock it off when even that's what our leaders are doing. So why are we surprised that that's what everyone's following? Yeah. How do you think, I know you said, be the example, like what are ways that we can, how do we come back from that or eliminate that in your opinion? That's a hard question. I'm trying to fix the world guys. I think the only way that we can do it is by demanding more. It's like in my membership, people want to, you know, build this, build that. And they want me to review their press pages. And so I do, but then I say like, well, where are you highlighting what you're passionate about and like where you give? Mm. And they're like, uh, well, I don't give anywhere yet. And it's like, okay, but if you want to be a leader in the online space, I don't care if it's 50 cents or a dollar, like what are you passionate about outside of your household where you can actually improve the world? Like, why are you doing this? Like, yeah, it might be for you to shine and maybe you want to hit, I don't know, 20 K month or whatever. And that's fine. But in terms of like being a leader on this planet and actually making the world a better place, what are you doing? Yeah. What impact are you here to make? And how are you doing that? Like, Mm -hmm. how are you leaning into your zone of genius? And like making positive change. Exactly. I don't care if you want zero plastic. I don't care if you want to save the bees or plant trees or help the homeless, like whatever's on your heart, there is something like, what are you doing? So I think if we focus more on that, then all of the other lower frequencies die. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So it's like, for example, it's a weird example, but like with my ducks, we had a huge bug problem in our backyard. Well, ducks, that's what they do. They eat, you know, any predator in sight, pretty much even like rats, they kill rats and mice. They peck them to death. Yes. Will kill rodents. Yes, they do. They're amazing. Right. So I introduced this new creature into my habitat and it took care of all of the problems and fertilize my grass. So I think instead of focusing on what is going wrong and trying like spider by spider to solve the problem, we have to introduce something mm. new that will take care of it itself. Yes, that make sense? absolutely. Which gets me into, I was going to pivot away from like current events and like the saucy topics, <laughs> but we're not, um, which, okay. So I love that because what we are also seeing a lot of censorship going yeah. on and we're living so much of our lives online these days and seeing big tech, like in my opinion, overstep like crazy mm-hmm. and censor, 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 like mm-hmm. to where freedom of speech is like really, um, has been affected and is, yeah. I, you know, has been it's a thing of the past hurt and is a thing of the past. And I believe that like you, like 
everyone gets to say whatever the fuck they want. Right. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean there aren't consequences to it, but that also doesn't mean you erase history and you erase things that have happened Mm -hmm. because it like offends somebody Mm because everyone's getting offended by everything these Mm days. And I think the solution to bad speech is like you were saying, you don't go delete all the stuff and like smash it all Mm -hmm. and act like it didn't happen and cancel it. Mm -hmm. You add better speech. It's more people speaking up with better ideas and different things. So uh, yeah. What do you think about all that? (laughs) I think it's true. And I think, unfortunately, it's not just freedom of speech. Now you can't, it like you're judged according to what you believe for politics. Like Mm -hmm. 20 years ago, did you really care if your friend voted for someone else? No, that was never a conversation at the dinner table. And now people literally are like, who did you vote for? Cause I want to see if I want to be your friend or not. Like when did that happen? I think it's crazy. And it very much frustrates me. And especially now that we're seeing religious suppression, like belief suppression, there's a problem. If you like this book, like it's just insane. And I think that now, especially as an entrepreneur, you have to be careful. I saw someone that got their entire, I think it was their TikTok was banned because they talked about wellness. So now we're getting to the point where it's not just religion or politics or any of that that's being suppressed. Now it's wellness. It's alternative like health practitioners. It's political people. Mm -hmm. It's all across the board. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just one group or one type of speech that's getting well, and people that listen to your show, they're from other parts of the world. They're like, dude, this is old news. This happened in my yeah. country 20 years ago, yeah. but it's newer for us. This yeah. hasn't really happened before. And it's really happened over the last, you know, I'd say probably five years. And in the past year, it's gotten crazy. Yeah. So you do have to be careful. You can't say online exactly what you want to say. You might get banned. Like you just don't know. So you mm-hmm. have to, I think, do the best you can. And then especially in the areas that you can afford to speak more of your opinions, or at least guide in a good way. Like you can do that inside of like your programs yes. or inside of your masterminds or whatever, but you do have to be really careful. Yeah, I like what you post. Yeah, I agree. And like my, my audience knows, like I get saucy and I mm-hmm. am pretty raw and real and unfiltered. And that's how I love to show up in the world, like in all my me-ness and Mm -hmm. authenticity. And I am mindful of it now because if I'm like, oh, well, if I post this, that's like critical of lockdowns or whatever Mm -hmm. is happening. If I say that my account is probably going to get shadow banned. So if I do a lot of my business through Instagram, am I willing to risk having lower reach because I feel it's important to speak out about this? And Mm -hmm. that's so infuriating is the word but in a way it's what you have to do I was talking to an actor friend who swung by the RV park a couple days ago and he was like this is what I'm dealing with I'm like well you have to do this this and this like you have to play the game a little bit so that you as the authentic kind human being you are can be in the space to Mm -hmm. be a voice and to do this the right way and you hate having to say that you have to alter any part of yourself because really in a perfect world you shouldn't like in my off the grid homestead that'll be happening in 10 years you can say whatever the hell you want right but for right now we have to be a little bit conscious so that we can stay in the space yes and not be kicked out and not have a voice at all yeah so that you can continue to share your message Mm -hmm. and yeah so it's it's being strategic and selective and and intentional of course and knowing that like these days there are legitimate risks of like becoming deplatformed and that kind of stuff. And it's gross. And, and it is like, it's yeah. Like you were saying, like so many other places in the world, they're like, this is old news. And yeah, that's why like America is the symbol of freedom. 
Because we were a free country mm-hmm. up until the past like year and a half. Yep. You know, I <laughs> like I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I think that it takes people that have done a lot of the internal work to recognize it because mm-hmm. most people are still in the phase of, you know, unfortunately if, over the past couple of years being programmed to the point where all they can do is parrot right now. Yeah. But our hope is that we can inspire people to take care of their bodies, to take care of their mind, to unplug from a lot of the media and to originate content because that takes creativity, which takes alpha state. Whereas right now everyone's in beta. Oh, I love that. Oh, and I got chills again. Yeah. It's the getting out of 3d mm-hmm. and up into like 5d consciousness. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. I love that. So mm-hmm. with that, cause we, you and I do very similar things in the world, which mm-hmm. is so fun. Like supporting people with visibility, with PR, getting your message out there, being mm-hmm. seen. Yeah. I would love to hear for you, like what, obviously like so many things changed in the past year around that. Like what has been in your opinion, like some of the things that have been really effective for getting more visibility and standing out more in the past year. Color. Yes. I mean, hello. No. (laughs) Yeah. Color Uh, being on camera. Color has been huge. Um, I think that, you know, what's really exciting is now it's kind of like, since we're all having to be online, it's really kind of leveled the playing field in a Mm. way. And I think people who thought about it, maybe now they have to be online. And there's little things that I've seen work with seven figure owners and, you know, still working on their first hundred dollars. And that's been the color psychology, the brand video, the press page, you know, that has been so huge. So that's when I've been yapping endlessly about the past year, because I think, especially if you can put together a two to three minute screenshot of who you are, what you do, who you serve now publications and podcast hosts and all that, they're not as much looking at how famous you are because everyone's at home. They're looking at what are the stories that I want to tell? How can I inspire my audience? Like what really needs to be told? So that I think has been really exciting. And that's what I've been pushing my clients to do. And that's, what's been working the most. I'd I have love to that. say. Yeah. Yeah. Knowing how to strategically and effectively package yourself up and do it in a way that yes, because we're so online now in a way that like catches people's eye and makes yeah. you stand out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. What would you say are, cause I know we've chatted about this before. What are some of like your biggest pet peeves or mistakes that you see people making when it comes to like pitching themselves or wanting to like be on your podcast, for example, or, or that, yeah, just getting more visibility. We have what another hour. <laughs> <I'm just kidding. laughs> when pitching in my inbox, my number one thing, like I know we talked about on clubhouse, don't edit your copy and paste stuff inside the email. Cause when I get it, it's three different colors and I know it's a standard pitch. That's bothersome pitches that are two to five pages long, a little frustrating. Um, doesn't need to be, you know, short and sweet media kits. I know we have a little bit of a different opinion on this, but bothers me. Um, I'd much rather it be on a press page. Yeah. I do a page yeah, in one page Perfect. and, and, yeah. Shifting that to like a link instead of an attachment yes. sort of thing. And that's yeah. how it used to be like yeah. media kits were all the rage, but I think now press kits are so much more dynamic and easier to get a gig. If you yeah. don't have a one sheet yet. is plenty. Yeah, exactly. So I think that those have been a couple things that have been frustrating. And I think people just feeling like there's so much going on that they can only do like one live stream a week or, you know, one thing a week. And I understand that, but I think you know, we have to take time to 
feed all the pieces of our business so that we can grow and be successful. Mm -hmm. We can't just pick and choose and then be frustrated three months later when we don't have the results. And I think that's what so many people go through because we're busy. We have lives. I'm sure people out there are much busier than me and they have kids and they're maybe working a full-time job. And so it can feel crazy, but you have to at least break down the time where you are focused on business development, marketing, like client acquisition, like all these things need to be fed. And I think that right now there's been so much stress and fear mm. in the media that people are too exhausted to feed what needs to be fed because they're over here feeding their fear. Yeah. Does that Being, make sense? Yep. Overstimulated and fear takes a lot of energy, mm -hmm. a lot of energy. Absolutely. Yeah. What, what is something right now in your life or your business that you're like super freaking excited about? So many things. Uh, I'm so excited for the color book. It's been on my heart for so many years that to actually get it done, um, hopefully in the next three months is just so exciting. A lot of pivots in my business happening, which feels really, really good. And I'm actually partnering with a dear friend of mine who's a publicist and we're going to be opening up like a new business specifically about PR. Ooh. So there's a lot of things moving and happening and I'm really excited about that. And I'm equally as excited about the beekeeping. So I yes. mean, it's just all good. She's getting bees. <laughs> getting bees. I love that. What would you say is something right now that's like really challenging you? Mm. It didn't go the way I thought it would with my ads management with um, Pinterest and Instagram and Facebook. Mm. And so I kind of put gathered my eggs for so long to finally here, please handle this for me so I don't have to think about it that works for some people. It usually doesn't work that way for me. Usually I have to learn everything myself and eventually like teach someone to have it outsourced. I'm sure you can relate to that. Um, Not anymore. I used to be like that, but now I'm like, Hey, figure it out. Like, let me know the basics, but like, I don't even need to this to be in my brain. Thanks. And that's what I wanted. <laughs> and that's what didn't work. Yeah. So now I'm in the state of like, okay, regroup a little bit, learn these things and then go on to the next step. So that was a little bit frustrating because I thought, I'm throwing money at the problem and it's going to take mm. care of itself. And it didn't the way mm. I thought. So I'm going, okay, something didn't work. Something wasn't aligned. So I'm just kind of rethinking and pivoting. But the nice thing is like we talked about, there's no attachment to it. So it's like, all right, hand me a wine seltzer. Let's do it. Like it's all good. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, what has been like one of your biggest kind of uh, like setbacks in your business and how did you overcome it? Um, I think it was generational patterns mm. for me because I had to watch, you know, my dad's shows get stolen, my thing gets stolen. And so it was like, I always support my friends or partners to win, but I stay in the shadows. Mm, yep, so yep. I dealt with that a ton. And I think that's what set me back for a really long time. And then it would be painful because then someone else would succeed and I'd feel like I was left behind. Yeah. So that is probably, I know it's not technically like a business frustration, but it is something that I brought in energetically that affected me for a long time until I could finally let it go. And do you, do you think any of that, it was like, did you have resistance to showing up and being sure. visible? Cause yeah. Cause sure. I used to do that too, like be the support yeah. and be like, that was so much easier for me mm -hmm. than like leading with my own thing and really committing to my own thing. And I was like, wait, what, what am I freaking scared of? You know, like, come on, I can be the star too. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, I'm a little bit more of a subdued personality, at least I am now. And so it's hard for me to get to that like aggressive energy state. And so for me, I spent a lot of it in hurt feelings until, Mm. and looking in my past and going, well, of course, like I was told this by my acting coach, this by my friend, this by this person, this by this person. So I did have that subconscious dome of other people's input. So it took time for me to break that down and to rebuild it the way I wanted to and go, okay, well, it's not so much like, I need the spotlight and I need this, but these are the things that I want to create in my life. And this is what it's going to take. And it's okay to be seen for exactly who you are, where you're at, and to not have to be high energy all the time or perfect all the time or any of that kind of stuff. Like you can be ugly and be present. And that's going to be just as attractive as anything else you bring Mm -hmm. to camera. So I think that's what was most helpful for me. Yeah. I love that. What would you say is, um, a time when you really decided to like speak up for yourself or own your truth or share something that was like terrifying? Oh my gosh. Um, there've been so many or a few of them. I think like, as, as I'm sure you can relate to like marriage can be really hard. It can be really, really hard. And when you're trying to figure out what your needs are, what their needs are, where the dividing line is, how to communicate, like it's a minefield. And so for me, like, especially early on in my marriage, we were dealing with not only our expectations, but our family's expectations and just, just the myriad of things. And so that's when I hit my my lowest breaking point was like, I can't do this and survive. Like I need to make my own boundaries and discover where my joy is. And Nathan and I had to have a lot of conversations about like, okay, what do we allow in the house and what don't we allow in the house? Mm. And even when I was first building my business, like I was working, I was used to working 14 hours a day. So I brought that schedule into the house. And so Nathan would be like, okay, closing the laptop, putting it away, locking it. I only have the key, you know, that kind of stuff. So I think that just in a roundabout way, that was where I had to do the most like introspection and growth. And that's Mm -hmm. what really broke Mm -hmm. that down for me. You have always been somebody who I see as having very strong boundaries, like with like your work discipline, like relationships, like, and yes, speaking up for yourself when you feel like you've been wronged, And even like with trademark stuff, you're like, Hey, like, yo, I've got the trademark on this. If you're using mm-hmm. it, like not dog, mm-hmm. um, have you always had, like, how, how did you cultivate strong boundaries? That's such a good question. Uh, through a lot of not having strong boundaries yeah. and letting people do pretty much whatever they wanted in life and just having hurt feelings about it, you know, but not really expressing it. And I had to get to the point where I was willing to risk not having those relationships anymore to just say, and not never out of like cruelty, but just, Hey, here are my boundaries. Here's why this isn't okay. And always feel free to tell me if I'm violating any of your boundaries, you know, Mm -hmm. it has to be mutually beneficial. And then with trademarking, it was just being so sick of the BS. And like, what's beautiful about our industry is that we can trademark, we can copyright. And I've always tried to do it kindly, but no matter what, whoever's violating your intellectual property will be mad at you that they violated. Yeah. It's stupid, but that's how they do it. You just have to try to be kind and then stand firm and be like, okay, then like, see you in court. And then they're like, oh, I took it down. Right. So I think that you just have to be so firm and like, you work so hard for this and this is your creativity and you don't have to be mean or unkind. You can be kind, but very clear and firm. So that's the balance I've tried to strike so that I'm clear 
but not unkind. Yes. 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 I love that. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about your business a little bit more. So tell us about how you freaking serve your clients and the kinds of things that you are yeah, doing in the world with your business specifically talking about income and traffic generators. That's like my favorite thing. Um, have the membership, uh, called the visibility lounge. That's 97 a month. And that has been a long time growing as you know, uh, and that's been fantastic. And then I've recently moved into VIP days and train your team. Mm. So the VIP day is an intensive, whether it's visibility or publicity strategy, where we work for a full day on getting you set up with your plan. And then the train your team is a month long of me actually coming in and help you training your VAs. And if you have a PR manager or whatever, so that they know how to move forward with your PR in the future. So you can do it in-house. I love it. I love it. And yeah, so similar to the kinds of things that, that we do. I I love that there's that, that synergy. Um, so kind of wrapping up here and Mm -hmm. I know like, we'll have to have you back for sure. What is, and we ask this to everybody, what is one key piece of advice, whether that's an action item, a quote, something to think about, a question to ask yourself for people who are looking to stand out and live a really like unapologetically bold and aligned life? You can fight all your life to get to the top of the mountain, but when you do, there won't be anything there. That's what I've learned over the past couple of years. And I've said this to a lot of friends of mine who have said like, I need to get to the top. I need to get to this thing. I need to hit the goal. And it's like, you can, and maybe you'll hit that goal, but like, then what? So it's just a map. And I know this is a cliche, but it's just as much about the journey as the destination. And you have to have kind of like a clean sphere when you get to the top of that mountain, because otherwise you'll look behind you and it'll just be carnage. Right. Mm. So it's okay. Exactly where you are and what you've achieved, even if it's not what you think is that big thing, because the big thing will happen. It'll come and go, whether it's TEDx or hitting that 100 K month or getting the LA Tribune or whatever it may be, but like you feel the same the next day. Right. So like you can hit those goals, but just be so careful to not put all of your eggs and all of your happiness in that. When I get here, I'll be blank, like focus on the day to day and enjoy it. Yes, it does make sense. And I'm so in agreement with it. Yes. The journey is like just as, if not more important than the destination, you better be enjoying the process. Exactly. Of course. course. Mm -hmm. And on that note, where can everybody connect with you and yeah, find out more about what you're up to. Yeah. All that. Well, I appreciate you bringing me on. This has been so fun to connect with you and see you again. Absolutely. Um, I am visibility vixen everywhere. So website, social media handles, feel free. If you are listening to this to screenshot the episode and share it with Lauren and I on Insta stories, we would love to hear what resonated with you the most. And I'm excited to meet some of your people. Yeah, absolutely. Guys go say hi to Michelle, slide into her DM, let her know what you, what you enjoyed about this episode. And thanks for tuning in and leave a five-star review. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for listening if you love this episode and if you know of somebody else who is bold successful and unapologetically owning their unique magic while they make a big impact in the world please send them my way and it would also mean the world to me if you help me get this message out to as many listeners as possible 
So if you liked what you heard, I'd be so grateful if you would please take 30 seconds to leave a five-star rating, write a quick review, and share this episode with your friends. Be sure to tag me so that I can say thank you. And until the next episode, keep showing up, keep using your voice, and keep being you. Because the world needs more of your magic. Yeah.